I'm really happy to be here. I know we just have a short time to visit together, and, and some of you, this is the first time you're meeting me, but I just love uh, your city. I love this. is my first visit uh, to this area, and we've had a great time. It reminds me a lot of um, the story of John the Baptist and Jesus and, and how John the Baptist prayed and even spoke in advance like, boy, there's someone that's going to come that I'm not even worthy to tie his shoes. And when he comes, the, the kingdom's going to come. He prophesied the, a revival. He talked about there's going to be something that's coming. He prayed for it to happen. And he even said, this is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. But there came a time when John the Baptist, he prayed so long, he waited so long, he found himself in prison, actually. He was persecuted for his praying. And Jesus uh, was doing what John the Baptist said would happen when the Messiah came. And John sent some of his disciples to Jesus and said, are, are you the one that's to come or is there someone else? And Jesus said, just tell them what you, what's happening. Just tell them what's happening in all these towns where we're going. Tell them that people are coming into the kingdom. Tell them that the blind are receiving their sight, the lame are walking, the deaf are hearing. And basically what he was saying is, what you've been praying for is already happening. It's good news that's coming to your city. And I believe that for many years, some of you have been praying, God, move in my family. God, save my children. God, heal my, heal my family members. Lord, bring people to Christ that don't know Christ. And I want to tell you, with the good news of great joy is that that's happening in your city. Because I got a chance to listen this week to a little girl last night who took the microphone in front of hundreds of people and talked about how she told her mom, we need to pray for our waitress in the restaurant. What was the name of that restaurant? She said it was, uh, yeah, Rucker John's. She, she said a different name, but then she, her mom corrected her. So she went into Rucker John's and prayed for the sick in Rucker John's. Now I'll tell you, like, we can pray for revival, but revival's happening right in front of our face when our children are praying for the sick. When we had a, a dad talk about how he said to his children, where does God want us to go to eat so we can pray for the people that we meet? And children are saying to their parents, let's go eat at such and such a place because I believe God's going to have us meet someone that we're going to pray for. And those are the kind of things that just get me fired up. In fact, a little girl, after I preached last night and prayed for a bunch of people, a little girl came up to me and said, can I pray for you? And she put her hand on me and she prayed, help him to be a good dad and a good husband. And I said, yeah, that's what my wife prays for me every day. So that's good. <laughs> that was an agreement. So I want to tell you that all the good things that I see and hear in this city, uh, God is moving and God is doing great things. And you are already seeing a stirring, a move of God and a revival that's going to grow and grow and grow. And you're part of that. So I'm honored to be part of here, uh, part of that. This week we had a, a great time at the conference. Um, some of you maybe didn't go, but I just want to encourage you that God wants to use you in this day uh, to be a person that leads people to him, that demonstrates Jesus through your life. And that's really what we talked about, that God, Jesus lives in us and he wants to come out of us and touch others. So... Um, I have some resources back there. My ministry is a ministry that I, I travel. I'm, I'm on the road uh, quite a few days out of the year. I go to different nations. And in fact, just a couple of weeks, I'm going to be in one of my favorite nations, the nation of Brazil. God's moving in Brazil in an unprecedented way. 60% of the population of Brazil is under the age of 29. 
And, and there's a great opportunity for Brazil to go one way or another, either to go closer to the kingdom or farther away from the kingdom. And so I have the great opportunity in just a couple of weeks to, to talk to about 5,000 young people in their, in their 20s and 30s that, that's just young to me, 20s and 30s, and, and that, are, that are just hungry for God and for more of God. And I get the chance to do this. I, I travel pretty much every week, uh, help to equip the church in learning to hear God's voice in their spiritual gifts. I grew up in the church. And, you know, I say if you grow up in the church, you either learn to think church is boring or you learn to make church fun. And most of the ways that I, I made church fun got me in trouble sometimes. Um, but I, I learned that God wants to talk to us. In fact, when I was 14 years old, my parents for Christmas, they gave me a Sports Illustrated uh, subscription. That, and I loved sports, and particularly football. I grew up in the Philadelphia area. But at the same time, they also gave me a book by a man named A.W. Tozer. Has anybody ever heard of him? Uh, one of my favorite authors. It was called The Pursuit of God. And I remember kind of putting that book to the side in my room, uh, putting it on a shelf. And uh, I remember, you know, keeping up with my sports team that year. The Phillies were doing pretty good. The Eagles were doing good. And they tanked, which is pretty normal for Philadelphia sports teams. They start out good and then they tank. I don't know if anybody feels that way about their sports team. So I remember kind of throwing the Sports Illustrated magazine to the side one night. And then I saw my book there. I picked it up. And the first chapter is called Following Hard After God. And, and A.W. Tozer, a great uh, theologian and writer, talks about how before you ever followed after God, God was following after you. And in that moment, I, I heard the voice of God speak to me for the first time in my life. It was from the scripture of Romans chapter 8, that nothing can separate me from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus. And so, just last year, I, I was just writing some of my thoughts about what God teaches me, uh, has taught me about how I hear His voice. And I decided I was going to make it kind of a tribute to A.W. Tozer. So at the beginning of each of my chapters, I have a, a quote from A.W. Tozer. Because I believe that God wants to speak to some other 14 and 15-year-olds in their bedrooms. God wants to speak to some other sports fanatics and tell them, I want you to become a fanatic about me. You don't have to give up your sports fanaticism. Just become a fan of Jesus, too. So... Um, I have some resources that are back there, and there's just some leftover stuff from the conference, and, and I just want to make it available to you for a donation. It's back there. If there's something that would be a blessing to you. But I have this book. I have some uh, CDs and, and some teachings on how to hear God's voice. And then I have a, this um, CD that my wife made for children. And so uh, it's really songs that she sang over my kids when they were little so that they could sleep well and they sleep well. And they actually have dreams from God, too. So those are back there. And those are just something you could pick up. If it's something that could help you, I want you to uh, take, take advantage of that. If you have your Bibles, I just have a few minutes to talk to you this morning. But I'm really excited about what I'm going to share with you. Uh, it's uh, Isaiah 55, one of my favorite scriptures. And I want to talk to you about what God thinks about today. Having God's thoughts. You know, we live in a culture where... People's thinking has become confused. And you can just turn on the news, and it reminds me of what Jeremiah would say, you know, that the prophets of the day, they weren't prophesying what God was saying because whenever there was peace, they prophesied war. Whenever there was war, they prophesied peace. It was like the opposite of what the truth was. And I feel like in our, somewhat in our culture, it's kind of like the upside-down culture. It's like the opposite of what's true. It's true. The opposite of what it, what's 
peace is what people say is peace. And the opposite of what's, what people say is bringing people together is happening. And I, I feel like that sometimes we can live in a world feeling like it's going so far away from what God intends. But all it takes is one person to have thoughts from God. All it takes is one person who would see from God's perspective. And I believe you can be that person. Isaiah is a, is a tremendous voice for me. I love him as an example because... He had kind of a bad news kind of a, a, a message. He wasn't the kind of guy you would actually want to have come and speak at your church. To be honest with you, if you read the book of Isaiah, starting with Isaiah chapter 1, verse 1, it says, this is the vision of Isaiah. And then it goes on to tell what his vision is. The next five chapters, he gets up and he says about God's people, the church, he says, you're like donkeys. He said, you're going to have a stench that reaches to heaven. I don't know about you, but if someone started out their sermon and called me a donkey and said I was going to have a sense that reaches to heaven, I'd be like, man, maybe I should check out the church down the street, you know, because this guy is a little negative. And then he goes on to say some good news, like, well, you're going to have big houses and you're going to have big vineyards and you're going to throw big feasts and guests will come. But then he, he flips it over and he says, but then your house is going to burn down, your vineyard's going to be barren, and all your guests are going to starve. And I'm thinking, I'm not sure Isaiah would want to be the motivational speaker to have come to my business or, or have come to my church and do a revival service. But in Isaiah chapter 6, something happens. Isaiah chapter 6, Isaiah said, And I saw the Lord. He was high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. His vision is flipped. It's flipped from an earthly perspective to a heavenly perspective. It's a beautiful story. If you get a chance to read the, that story in Isaiah 6, you would see that actually what he sees is a vision of heaven, but he, he says, and I saw the king. And that word king is only used in messianic language when it comes to Old Testament prophets. In fact, he saw Jesus before Jesus came to the earth. He saw Jesus in heaven. He said, I saw the king. And when he saw Jesus, and we know he saw Jesus because later on in the book of John, Jesus says, Isaiah saw my day and he spoke of it. So actually what happened was Isaiah saw Jesus before we saw Jesus. And he actually became the person who actually prophesied more about Jesus than any other Old Testament prophet. If you add up all the Old Testament prophecies, Isaiah had five times more than any other one. He saw Jesus and he could prophesy Jesus. His perspective was changed. And I believe that every single one of us can have an encounter with God where our perspective is changed. Where we don't look at our world and say, its stench reaches to heaven. Because that's not the way God intends it. Where we don't look at our leaders and say, they're donkeys. Which, wow, that actually does fit politically but to a certain party. I didn't mean that, but I'm just saying, like, we have to have God's perspective of the world. Sometimes I just step into things and I didn't mean to step into them. So maybe I should just move along. Alright? So, in Isaiah 55, Isaiah kind of describes to us... Um, this kind of God kind of thinking. And I want you to go to verse number 8, okay? Verse number 8 of Isaiah 55. The whole chapter is amazing. You really should read it. Actually, I need to go back to verse number 6 just because it's so good. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake their ways and the unrighteous their thoughts. Let them turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on them. And to our God, for he will pardon them. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. 
And as the rain and snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth, making it blood and fur, blood, uh, bud and flourish, so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for food, so my word that goes out from my mouth will not return to me empty, what will accomplish the desire that I want to accomplish and achieve the purpose that I sent it for. It reminds me of what Pastor Steve said about the rain being a promise that God's going to fulfill his word. But let me take you back to that verse number six, let the, or verse number seven, let the wicked forsake their ways, the unrighteous their thoughts. Well, we could, we could kind of go off on that, couldn't we? We could look at our world and say it's wicked or it's unrighteous. But what, here's what Isaiah is saying, that the wicked, the ones that have twisted ways, are that way because their thoughts are unrighteous. They don't have the right thoughts. So he says when they turn to the Lord, the Lord will have mercy. That's what we want. So he goes on to describe this. He said, for God's thoughts are not your thoughts, and God's ways are not your ways. It tells us a couple things. First of all, thoughts come before ways. So if you think something, you'll do it. So if culture is a certain way, or people are a certain way, or family members are a certain way, it's because their thinking is a certain way. If you can change the thinking of people, you can change the actions of people. You can change laws, but if you don't change hearts, you won't change actions. And God's saying, look, my thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways. You need to change your thoughts so that your ways will change. See, what we've done many times in religion is we tried to change behavior. I mean, I knew because I grew up in church and they told me, this was the saying they said, don't, don't smoke, don't chew, don't date girls who do. <laughs> so you had to be careful what you did. Even in children's church, we would sing songs like, oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. You ever hear that song? Careful, little eyes, what you see, there's a father up above. He's going to hit you with a club. <laughs> it says he's looking down in love, but when you sing and you feel like he's looking to get me doing something, oh, be careful, little feet, where you go. There's a father up above, going to squish you like a bug, right? The, as a kid, those are the th things I thought, if God sees me do something wrong, he's going to get me. If, but see, God's not trying to catch us doing something wrong. He's trying to catch us doing something right. He's trying to reach our hearts so that we can have his thoughts and we can have his ways. That's the second thing this, this scripture tells me. He says, my thoughts aren't, are not your thoughts. That means God has different thoughts than me, and I can actually have his thoughts. What would it be if I went to work every day with God's thoughts? What would it be if I woke up every day instead of saying, oh, another rainy day. It's going to be terrible, like Eeyore, right? <laughs> what if I could wake up like Tigger every day and bounce around? Uh, you can tell I have kids. So anyway... Um, you know, God wants us to wake up with his thoughts, and if we did, it would change our life. You know, there are a lot of different places where thoughts come from. If you think about where thoughts come from, they come from the atmosphere, right? You can pick up a thought anywhere. Have you ever been shopping in the grocery store, and you hear a song, and you wake up the next morning humming this tune, and you don't know where this tune came from? You can't get it out of your head, and you just can't get it out of your head, and you realize, oh, that's because it was on on the grocery store, you know, up there. And you get, you get a song in your head. I remember with my kids, we were at an amusement park a couple of years ago, and a song came on. I won't sing it because it will be in your head all day long. But it wasn't, it wasn't good. It wasn't, it wasn't a good song. The lyrics of it weren't good. And, I, and I'm, I'm humming this song. I'm just humming the tune because it got in my head. And my daughter said, Dad, that's not a good song. You're humming a bad song. 
I'm like, who's the parent here, first of all? <laughs> I don't even know what song this is. She, and then she said, well, this is what the words say. I said, don't say that in my car. <laughs> but she said, well, you're humming it. Why it happened? It got in my head. Because it's just in the atmosphere. Do you know that you can pick up things from the atmosphere and carry them around? Or you can actually change the atmosphere. What if you went into the store humming a song and someone else picked it up? What if you went in with a different thought and changed someone else's uh, thinking? The second place that thoughts can come from, I call it from the adversary. That means that there's, like, there's a negative thought out there. The devil is called the accuser of the brethren. He's our adversary. And sometimes we have thoughts in our head and we're like, what's my problem? Why am I having this thought? Why am I feeling discouraged about this? And it's not because it's your thought. If God says, my thoughts are not your thoughts, that means it's possible for you to have a thought other than your own thought. So you wake up and you wake up with this worthlessness. Let me just give you a personal example. Uh, when I was a young person, when I was a child, I used to have tremendous nightmares and night terrors. Uh, almost every night I would wake up and I would go to my parents' room and I would be telling them I'm having terrible nightmares. I would, it was strange. I would actually literally hear voices out loud and it was a scary thing you might think well maybe you needed some medication no what I needed is I needed truth I needed someone to teach me the voice of my Heavenly Father because Jesus said you're my sheep you will hear my voice you will not follow the voice of a stranger what does that tell me there is other voices out there and I'm gonna hear them but I don't have to follow them. there was a voice that I heard for years in my life I never told my parents about it but here's what the voice said to me you're worthless your life isn't worth living. You should just kill yourself. Oh, that's not my desire. That's not my Heavenly Father's desire. That's not my parents' desire. And I would resist this thought. I would never hurt myself. I would never do anything. But I would have this always this feeling of worthlessness. Well, I remember uh, years, every night I would go into my parents' room. And one night, here's what happened. I walked into my parents' room. I went to my dad's side because he was always the one that's easiest to wake up. <laughs> he would wake up quicker than my mom. And, and I would say, Dad, I had a dream again. And he would pray for me. God, help him to have good thoughts. Help him to have good dreams. Bless his, bless his sleep. And then he would say, now go back to your room and think good thoughts. That's what he would say. Think good thoughts. And I'd go back. This night was different. I walked into his room. I went over to the side of his bed. Dad, I had a dream. He started to pray. God, help him to think good thoughts. Help him to have good dreams. And then something in his voice changed. It was like the voice of my Heavenly Father came out of him. And he said, and these thoughts of suicide and death will stop now in Jesus' name. When he said that, it was like a cloud lifted off of me. It was like the heavens opened over my head. I wept and I realized that's not the voice of my father, and that's not even my voice. That's the voice of the adversary, the accuser, who, who spoke to Eve in the garden and said, if God really said, who spoke to Jesus in the wilderness and said, did God really say you're the son of God? If you are, prove it. It's the voice of your, your adversary. And that, it, look, you may not have never had a thought like that, and you don't have to have a thought like that. And if you have a thought like that, you just resist that thought. The Bible says, submit to God, resist the devil, and he flees from you. It's just, I didn't know how to resist God, or resist the devil at the time, but my dad taught me. And the, the moment, the day I heard the voice of my earthly father speak what my heavenly father said, guess what? The voice of the accuser, the voice of the adversary was gone. Can I tell you something? Today can be the day where those thoughts end in your life. 
Today could be the day where the thoughts of worry... You know what worry is? Worry is actually the thoughts of the enemy. Worry is actually imagining the worst case scenario. Instead, God wants to show you what he desires in your life. Sometimes those voices can come through other people. Like, you can have a child that a teacher, you know, pegs them as that they're the tough learner. They're the ones that's the troublemaker. Or they can't read very well. I had a one child that learns, learned differently than my first child. My second child learned differently. And the teacher labeled her very early on. And we, my wife and I would go and, and meet with the teachers that she had. And we'd say, this is how you teach our daughter. This is how she best learns. She's not, uh, she's not a problem learner. She's a smart girl, but this is how her, her, um, her intelligence works. And for years, th- there were certain teachers we had to work with in certain ways because we wouldn't let their words be stronger than God's words over our kids. Do you know what? My, I have a, my daughter is in a junior in high school right now. She's taking chemistry. She's taking Chinese. In fact, she took two years of Spanish, and she only had to take one more year. And then she came to me last year and said, I want to take Chinese. I said, Abby, please, just graduate. Take Spanish and take one. You know? And she took Chinese this year for her first year. She's at the top of her class. And she, her teacher said, she's the smartest kid in our class. Why? Because Chinese, is a, it, she can write out the letters. It's very artistic. That's how she is. She's creative. It actually has inflections of sounds that a lot of kids can't make, but she can make because she's very dramatic. She uses inflections in her voice when she acts. So she is a different learner, but she's smart. And the, the voice of the accuser, or the voice of somebody who didn't understand her, wanted to speak a different word over her. But God's words will not return emptiness. They will accomplish what God... You know, can I tell you something? If you don't prophesy over your children, somebody will. If you don't prophesy over your church, somebody will. And you may not even believe in prophecy the way that I may, or you might not understand it, but can I tell you something? The words that we speak have power. And when we come into alignment with God's thoughts, we will actually see people step into God's ways for their life. So words can come from the atmosphere, or thoughts can come from the atmosphere. Thoughts can come from the adversary. And then there's a third place that thoughts can come from that I see, and that's, I call them from above. Thoughts can come from above. The Bible says that you should set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. What does that mean? I just mean, it, I think it means think like heaven. Think like heaven thinks. And it doesn't mean you have to think about angels, you know, playing harps with, you know, naked bum, you know, bums or something like that. You know, it doesn't mean you have to think about clouds or rainbows. I mean, heaven's a beautiful place and I believe it looks different than earth looks. And it probably looks a little spooky to what we would think about. But, you know, the Bible doesn't say think about heaven. I think thinking about heaven's a good thing. Because Jesus talks about heaven all the time. He said the heavens, you'll see the heavens open. You'll see angels ascending and descending on the Son of Man. I'm not sure exactly what that means. But I believe that some people, if they're only thinking about heaven, they might not be able to be able to translate that to earth. I think what he's saying is think like heaven thinks. Change your perspective like Isaiah. Now, Isaiah had an experience where he saw this scary stuff. I mean, if you see his vision, he describes like, wings and eyes and creatures that are on fire, the angels singing holy, holy, and 24 elders bowing down, temples shaking, and I'll tell you what, I'm not sure that I want to have that kind of experience every day of my life, but I do want to be the guy who comes out of that experience and is able to see people differently like Isaiah. I want to go come out of that experience and be able to see Jesus differently like Isaiah did. So when the Bible says set your mind or heart on things above, 
It's not just saying think about harps, think about angels. But you know what? I do that once in a while. When I'm worshiping God, even today while we were worshiping, I thought about, well, the Bible says that we're seated with Christ in heavenly places, that we can come boldly before God's throne. So I, I picture what would that look like if I could be before God's throne worshiping him with the 24 elders? Because it gives me a different perspective. But I don't want to live my life just thinking about heaven. I want to live my life thinking like heaven does. Do you know that there's a lot of people who have had ideas that seem to have come out of nowhere? But actually, I believe there are many times God's speaking to you, giving you ideas. Do you know that? I read something recently. 50% of the hours that you are awake, you daydream. 50% of the time, your mind is dreaming somewhere else. That means that 50% of the time I've been talking to you, you haven't been listening to me. You've been somewhere else, which I could tell that with some of you. So <laughs> my wife says with me, it's more like 70% of the time she talks to me, I'm somewhere else. But that's a whole other issue. So what, the, what I believe this is, is that I believe that there's sometimes that God's actually talking to us. We're not aware of it. It says in the Bible, Paul says, that you should cast down vain imaginations, which means useless thoughts, and you should take captive every thought into the, into the uh, knowledge of Christ. I believe those are two separate actions. I believe there are some thoughts you're supposed to cast away, and I believe there are some thoughts you're supposed to capture. And so sometimes you could be driving down the road and you have an idea, and it's a solution for the problem that you're having at work, and that's from God. Do you know that post-it notes were invented in church? A guy was in the, in the church orchestra, and pages would fall out of, his, out of his music book and stuff. And so the pastor was preaching, I'm sure, like your pastor Steve preached a great sermon. And he was daydreaming. <laughs> yeah, so he's daydreaming while, while the pastor's preaching. And he came up with the idea for post-it notes. You know, it's a billion-dollar idea. Because he got an atmosphere that's created in church. Can I tell you that you should have an atmosphere of peace in church like you don't have anywhere else. You should have an atmosphere you could set your mind on things above. Do you know that, do you ever hear of a, a lady called Harriet Beecher Stowe? She wrote a book called Uncle Tom's Cabin. Let me tell you about Harriet Beecher Stowe. She was born into a pastor's home, a Presbyterian pastor, by the way, Presbyterian church, right? She was born into a Presbyterian pastor's home. She had five brothers who all became pastors. She wanted to be a pastor with all of her heart. She wanted to be a preacher. In her culture, they said women cannot be preachers. The mindset of the church at the time was that women couldn't teach, that women couldn't hear from God, that women couldn't be a voice for God. That was the mindset of the culture. She just became a, the next best thing in her mind, a pastor's wife. <laughs> so she married a pastor, and she took her kids to church every Sunday. In, in the 1800s, she went to church in New York City, Presbyterian Church, where uh, Pastor George Adams was pastoring. And he was preaching that day, and he was preaching on the scripture, and as much as you have done it to the least of these, my brethren, you've done it unto me. And the story is told, I'm going to read it to you so I'm accurate about it, but her son and biographer writes this. You may not know this about Harriet Beecher Stowe. I didn't until I actually was, I was having a conversation with the Lord about this topic of thinking and thoughts, and I was doing some writing, and I have a book that's coming out next year on this topic, but it had more to do with, I said, God, God told me, if you can change the thinking of culture, you can change culture. You can change the laws, 
and not change the hearts, and you won't see any change. And I asked the Lord, show me something that's in history that way. He said, look at how slavery was ended. You know, slavery wasn't ended because of a civil war. Slavery was ended because the hearts of people started to change. Look, I'm from the north, you're from the south. We both had a lot of people lost in a war that didn't need to happen because you don't have to have bloodshed to have change. I don't believe, I think Jesus' bloodshed was all we needed. But can I tell you something? I believe we're in a time where we need the same kind of thinking and culture or we will have that kind of bloodshed again. Because we need to have heaven's kind of thinking. Here's what it says. Harriet Beecher Stowe, a daughter of a preacher, the sister of five preachers, the wife of a preacher, was where she was to be expected Sunday, March 2nd, 1851, in church, sitting quietly while Reverend George Adams was preaching. And he spoke these words, Inasmuch as we have done it to the least of these, my brethren, you have done it to me. And immediately a vision was upon Mrs. Stowe. Her son, Charles Edward Stowe, and biographer, provides these details. Suddenly, like the unrolling of a picture, the scene of the death of Uncle Tom passed through her mind. So strongly was she affected by this vision that it was with difficulty that she should keep from weeping aloud. Imagine that, weeping aloud in church. In that day, particularly in that day, Women didn't make noise, and nobody was making noise in church. So she couldn't keep from weeping aloud, and immediately when returning home, immediately after church, she took a pen and she wrote out the entire vision, which she said was blown into her mind as by the rushing, mighty wind of the Spirit. Twenty-five years later, she recalled, My heart was bursting with anguish. It was excited by the cruelty and the injustice that our nation was showing to the slave. And I pray, God, let me do a little and cause my cry for them to be heard. Mrs. Stowe knew her prayer was answered, and eventually she came to believe that God was the author of Uncle Tom's Cabin. Do you know I've been around the world? Uncle Tom's Cabin is required reading in almost every nation of Europe. It's impacted the world at a time... When in the church, women were supposed to be silent, God said, I could take a woman and I could give her a voice that can change culture. At a tr in the church in the time, especially because of Puritan New England, literature and books were not considered something that the church should be involved in. The only way that you could do, the church would do books is sermons. Sermons and poetry, Christian poetry, was the only Christian type of literature. And for her to write a book to communicate a message was extremely rare, especially for a Christian. And for her book, in a time when communication was difficult, not like today when everybody's famous, everybody has a blog, everybody has a YouTube page, everybody has a Twitter account, everybody's famous for nothing. She had a message that went around the world. So she didn't just change culture. She changed the way we communicate things. She changed the way women were able to communicate things. She changed the impact that the church could have on the culture. And can I tell you something? The church is not without a voice today. The church can change our culture. You can have an impact in your business. You can have an impact in your school. You can have an impact in your community. You can have an impact in your city. All it takes is one person to have a thought from heaven to change the world. And I believe that today, 
that some of the noise in the atmosphere that's been affecting you, you can just push aside. Some of the voices of the adversary that's been kind of plaguing you, you can just let it be silenced. But particularly today, I feel like some of you could maybe go home from church and have an experience like Harriet Beecher Stowe did. Just like actually another person in the Bible did. Uh, a man, his name was Peter. Peter is a interesting character, so to speak. He's one of the most interesting characters of the disciples. He always had something to say. It was rare, very rare that Peter was speechless. But God used Peter one day. Peter had come from a church service, let's say, and he was waiting for his Sunday morning supper, or you know how it is. You go home, you watch football, and you wait for supper to be made. At least that's the way I grew up. You go home from church, you, you have Sunday afternoon supper. It was always roast beef, mashed potatoes, and gravy, corn and green beans. So, and if my grandma was there, we'd have a little bit of shoe fly pie afterwards because she was Pennsylvania Dutch. So, and we'd be waiting for, for Sunday afternoon supper and watching football, and we'd fall asleep, my dad and I, in the, on the couch waiting for supper. Well, this is kind of what happened to Peter in Acts chapter 10. Peter's on the roof of the house waiting for supper, and he nods off, falls asleep. I just picture him kind of with the remote in the hand, you know, <laughs> maybe a little drool coming down his mouth, kind of like my dad and I. <laughs> and so Peter's waiting for supper, and he has this, the Bible says he falls into a trance. And this trance, he sees heaven open. Now, I don't know if any of you have ever had a trance before. I'm not here to tell you about my trances or my experiences or, you know, spiritual experiences. But if you're going to have a vision from God, this is the kind of one to have because it's about food. <laughs> so he sees all these animals come from heaven that he's not supposed to eat, like they're unclean under the law. So he sees pork. <laughs> and God says, take it and eat it. Now, can you imagine the joy of the smell of bacon coming from heaven. So all these things that Peter was never allowed to eat, so they weren't allowed to eat shellfish. So now you got shrimp coming from heaven, wrapped with bacon. Are you with me? This is, this is in the Bible. It's good news. Like Jesus died so that we could eat bacon and shrimp. Isn't that great? It's one of the reasons. <laughs> it's clean now. And so lobster coming down from heaven, sprinkled with bacon, because everything's better with bacon on it, right? And so Peter has this vision of these food he's not supposed to eat. He said, no, Lord, I, I can't eat that. That's unclean. And a voice comes from heaven and says, don't call what I say is clean unclean. What's God trying to do? He's not trying to get him to eat food. He's trying to get him to change his thinking. About what? About Gentiles. You see, in Peter's thinking, he couldn't even visit the house of it. He couldn't have dinner at a Gentile's house. He couldn't even visit their house. If he touched their doorknob, he would be unclean. He would be dirty. He'd have to be cleansed. He was, his thinking was that if I touch darkness, darkness comes on me. If I touch sickness, sickness comes on me. If I touch dirt, dirt comes on me. That's what leprosy was in the, in the Old Testament. If you touched leprosy, you got leprosy. But Jesus said, hey, lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. The leper will be cured because if you've got cleanness, what you touch, when you touch something unclean, it becomes clean. If you've got light, if you've touched darkness, it becomes light. You don't get darkness on you. You get light on the darkness. You hear what I'm saying? So he's saying you've got to change your thinking. 
And because he had that thought from heaven, guess what? He went to a Gentile's house. And the first Gentile, thank God for that because you and I are here, because we're non-Jews, because Peter had a vision of bacon and shrimp and went to have dinner at an Italian guy's house. So he probably had a little pasta while he's at it. And now we can have Sunday afternoon fellowship dinners with pasta, shrimp, bisque, with bacon sprinkled on the top. Amen for that, right? That's church. Now I'm being a little, a little silly about it, but the, sometimes what we do is we take these heavy spiritual issues and we make them impossible to attain. But what God was trying to convey to Peter is it's not so hard to heaven. All you got to see is from heaven's perspective. You see, reaching out to someone in your community that is maybe, look, the people that you're scared of, maybe that, maybe that grew up on the wrong side of town, or maybe they don't know anything about church. When you look at them, they look a little different than you. They dress a little different than you. Maybe they don't understand the difference between genders. Maybe they're confused about their sexuality. Maybe they have a different political view. Can I tell you something? That God says when you love those that are in darkness, light gets on darkness. Darkness doesn't get on light. He's trying to change their thinking. And so because Peter had this, and by the way, this word trance in Acts chapter 10, Peter had this trance, this vision about bacon. Go ahead and read it because you'll never imagine it different again. When you read that, I'm going to tell you the scent of bacon will fill the room, okay? This word trance is a Greek word. It's called ecstasia, and, and it means this, to be out of your mind. It was only ever used for people that were crazy, but God said, Peter, the world's thinking is so crazy that I need to get crazy about heaven's thinking. I need you to get out of your mind to get into my mind. Can I tell you something? I believe we live in a world that's gone a little crazy, but God's made us the ones who can change the thinking of culture. All they need is to have a little touch of heaven, have a little some, someone come in who thinks like them, have a little girl to say, I can go pray for that waitress, to have a little six-year-old girl to pray for a preacher and say, help him to be a better father, help him to be a better husband, to get God's thoughts for them. That's what you're created for. You're created to see the heavens open. You're created to, to think like God. And I, and I want to pray for you today, particularly if you're here and you've been struggling with thoughts in your mind. Would you just bow your head and close your eyes with me for a moment, just so I, you have a moment of privacy. But if you're here and you struggle with anything in your mind, thinking, uh, thoughts, of, uh, thoughts of anxiety, thoughts of discouragement, hopelessness, anything that you're struggling with, even fear for your family, fear for your future, maybe you lost your job, you're worried about your finances. If that's any, any issue that you're, it's affecting your mind, just, just slip a hand up where you're at while no one's looking around. I just want to pray for you. Father, you see every hand right now. God, every hand that's lifted up, I pray right now that as they lift their hand up, they're not just lifting it up in the air, but they're lifting it up into heaven, God. And they're grabbing hold of a thought, your thought for them, God. Lord, I pray right now for my friend who just heard about his wife diagnosed with tumors, God. And all he can think about is, well, how can he be a young single dad with kids? And God, I just pray right now he would grab a new thought from heaven. And he would see her healed. He would see them living their life together. He would see that happen, God. And I pray for each person in this place that may be having thoughts like that, God. I say right now, let the atmosphere change, God. And not just us catch voices from the atmosphere. Let, Lord, the voice of the adversary be quieted now. In Jesus' name. And God, may there be thoughts from you that come right now in this place. May today we go home and find solutions for problems we're having with our children. May today we go home and find that you have a solution for a situation in our job. 
God, may today we go home and start to think about how our church can reach out to people that we've never reached before. God, I thank you that today is a day where we can set our mind on things above and not on things of this world. And when we do, we take captive thoughts that you want to bring to us. I pray we become aware every day of your voice. And God, I thank you that today is a day that you want to open heavens. You want to get us out of our mind and get us into the mind of Christ so that we can think like God. If we change our thinking, we can change our world. Thank you for the peace in this place. It's the peace that passes understanding, that guards our heart and guards our mind. In Christ Jesus. Would you just stand with me to your feet? I know we're going to dismiss in just a moment. I just want to... <clears throat> I just want to maybe share some God thoughts for some people here. You know, <clears throat> God has thoughts for you. He said, you don't, my thoughts are not your thoughts, my ways are not your ways, but my thoughts are higher than your thoughts and my ways are higher than your ways. What if you could know what God thought about you? What if you could know what God was thinking for you? It would give you faith to believe that God would do exceedingly abundantly more than you could ask or even think. I believe God's going to use some of you to meet some people this week to give them God's thoughts. I believe he's going to use you this week to meet some people that will pray like that little girl prayed and tell them this is what God wants to tell you. So, sir, I just want to encourage you. What's your name? Yes. What is Robert? That's a good name. That's my name. Robert, God wants you to know he sees you as a good man. And, and you've been a man of your word. And sometimes people have given you their word, but then they broke your word. And there were times even in, in business situations and in, in deals that you made that people gave your word and broke, broke their, their word to you. But God wants you to know he's going to keep his word to you. And I feel like there's even like some legal issues around you. Uh, and I feel like God says, I'm going to resolve the legal issues around you. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pay back uh, what was stolen from you. And this is going to be a year where true justice comes to you. In fact, what couldn't be solved by earthly justice, God will solve with heavenly justice. And the, the, the notice says, vengeance is mine, I will repay. It doesn't mean he's going to get revenge, it means he's going to repay you. And so you've forgiven people, but it's like, I, they, I, for, I can forgive, but it's hard to forget because it costs. God wants you to know he's going to pay back. Does that make sense to you, sir? Yeah? God, God thinks a lot about you, and God's going to restore things that were even lost in your life. So, Father, I thank you for that. What if, what if you could have God's thoughts for your future? What if you could, like, know God's called me to this. God's given me a, a, you know, a plan for my life. What if you could know that? Because God has a plan for your life. He says, I know the thoughts I have for you. It's a plan to prosper you, not to harm you but to give you a future and to give you a hope. And God wants you, to, wants you to have hope. That's his expectation for your future. Uh, is there someone over to the left? Is there someone named David here? Is there, is there David here? Is there anyone in here named David? Up there named David? Uh, you, oh, you are? Okay, I, I felt it was to the left. I'll talk to you for David. Okay, uh, David, I, I, just, I just feel like God wants you to know that like, he's, like, giving you your second wind. Uh, like, he's breathing new wind to you. And I feel like there was almost a time where it was, like, you thought you were out of wind, you thought you were out of breath, but I feel like God's giving you your, 
your second wind, and it's almost like I see this, almost like a picture of a sailboat and the wind coming into your sails. I just, I just feel like God's saying, like, you, you're going to be like, almost like the captain of the ship, but then the team's coming around you. And what I felt like what that was, was it was, it's a parable, it's a picture, but I saw like family members coming in to the boat that had been outside of the boat. And I feel like this holiday season, even Thanksgiving, I feel like there's been some, in the last uh, holiday seasons, there's been some empty places at the table, but God's going to blow a wind and bring some people back home that have been away from home. Um, and I, I, also, I also feel like, um, I feel like God's going to give you a, a real gift of like mentoring people and equipping people. I see almost like the word consultant over your head. I feel like people, you, people are going to use you as an advisor and a counselor. You're going to mentor people. And you're going to teach men how to use spirituality in the marketplace. That they don't have to just, it's not just about church stuff. It's about being a Christian where you are in your home, in, in the marketplace. And God wants you to not apologize for being successful at what you do. Because God's made you successful. And he's going to make you even more successful so that you can teach other people that you can be successful and have spirituality too. Um, and I feel like there's like a multiplication that's going to take place in your life. I, I heard this word franchise. And I feel like there's like a, a grace for you to, to kind of franchise what you're doing, to multiply it to other people. Because you're a good do-it-yourselfer. You can do a lot of stuff. You can like almost like you can wear people out. You're go, 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 go. You're early to rise and late to bed. <laughs> Some people are early rise, early to bed, or up. Is that you're a morning person and a night person. You can, and God's giving you that kind of energy, but I feel like the Lord's saying, I want you to multiply yourself. And there's people that right now that, that you're not sure if they're ready for promotion yet, but sometimes God promoted people before they were ready and the promotion made them ready. I feel like there's some people ready to step into managerial or uh, uh, roles that, that you don't think they're ready for, trust them and watch what God does because you've equipped them, you've prepared them because there's some things that God's going to have you do, uh, some things you want to do for God that you have to also let go of other things so you can do the things that you want to do for God. So Does that make sense for you, Dave? Yeah. So uh, Lord, I just bless David right now in Jesus' name. And Lord, I thank you for the, the, the woman of God next to him. I, and I feel like, daughter, that you're a woman of prayer. And I feel like you feel like uh, you pray for people and it's almost like, God, are, are they even responding? But I hear the Lord say, this is a year where the, the prayers and the tears that you prayed in the night season uh, in intercession for your family are going to be answered from heaven. And this is a, even the people that are in a, I feel like you're praying for people that are at a distance, even in a, like a, a geographic distance from you. And that, and that there's, God's keeping them safe. Uh, he's sending protection around them, but I feel like he's also bringing them back safely too. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can you just give God thanks for his thoughts today? Well, we thank you for that in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Bless you guys so much. Thank you for allowing me to come and visit with you and go out and change your world. Amen. Pastor Steve. Well, thank you, Bob. And, uh, Thank you for being here this morning, and it's uh, time to slip out of this service. Uh, we'll be back here at 11, and uh, you want to get some coffee and uh, share with each other out here in our gathering place, we'd love to invite you to do that. Father, would you continue to pour out your outrageous love and mercy upon us, your people, and then compel us by your Spirit, Lord, to release words of grace and life and love on those that we meet. And everybody said together, amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful day today.